time celebrating Thanksgiving with them and with some friends. And so uh, I hope that you guys did as well. And I know uh, Johnny spoke last week and uh, I told him already thank you, but he shared a wonderful message. And I'm sure that you guys enjoyed the, the challenge that Johnny shared last week about the idea of being repurposed, right? He talked about how Paul was repurposed or Saul was repurposed into Paul and he challenged us, what in our lives can be repurposed? You know, and so I just, I really appreciated what he said. And the one thing that I took away from last week that I think is worth mentioning again this morning was he talked about the idea that once we encounter Christ in our lives, we should never be the same again. He said once we encounter Christ in our lives, we should never be the same again. And I know all of us can say, you know what, there, there was that moment in our life where we encountered Christ and we invited Christ into our life and it's been different ever since. But I just, I love that idea. Once we encounter Christ, our life should never be the same again. It should be different. The other thing I want to say is I want to thank you so much for those of you who so generously gave last week as we received an offering for our Chisholm food shelf to help um, with our holiday meal giveaway. Uh, we were able to raise about $600 last week, and so that is awesome. Thank you guys so much for your generosity, and, and that's going to make a huge difference in many, many families in our community uh, this Christmas season as they are going to be blessed with meals and, and food, and so thank you so much for that. It is such a, an honor to be a part of such a generous giving uh, church, and thank you so much. Uh, over the next couple weeks, uh, we're going to be taking time to focus on, on Christmas as, as we have come into December now. And, and I'm excited, but I want to tell you this morning we're going to talk about something that's maybe not quite what you're going to expect when we talk about Christmas. But we're going to be talking about the blessing and giving. The blessing and giving. We're, we're, we're talking about simply what is Christmas. Simple Christmas. And the blessing and giving. And this morning... We're going to be talking about the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice that was given for us. And, and it was fitting, and I intentionally did it, that we had communion this morning as we talk about someone who gave the ultimate gift. And so you might be sitting here this morning and going, but it's not Easter. It's not Easter. It's Christmas. Why aren't we focusing on the birth of Jesus? And we will talk about that this morning. We'll talk about the birth, and over the next few weeks, we'll talk about the life of Christ and the opportunity that we have in and through Christ in our lives. Because, yes, His birth is a miracle, right? We know His virgin birth is a miracle, and we will touch on that this morning. But that's just the beginning of the story, right? It's just the beginning of the story of Jesus. And actually, we, we learn much about Jesus even in the Old Testament, right? A lot is prophesied about Him from the prophets and the coming uh, a Messiah that will come. But if all we do is focus on Jesus' birth, it's kind of like reading the beginning of a book, but not the rest of it, right? You, you read the preface, but you don't read the whole rest of the book. And so I want to just encourage us this morning to think about the whole life of Christ, about all that, that He did for us. And, and we're going to be looking this morning at some stories about how He dealed with, how He interacted with the disciples and I hope that over the next couple weeks you'll pick up on the fact that God has given us the greatest gift ever in His Son, the salvation that we can find through His Son, and that we then, as a result of receiving the greatest gift ever, have a chance to offer the greatest gift ever to other people. 
We receive a great gift. We have an opportunity to then bless others and share with others the greatest gift ever. We're going to begin this morning by looking at Luke chapter 1, where if we read, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Continuing on, it says, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The, an the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. So here we see the angel Gabriel comes down and begins to have a conversation with Mary. Mary is this, this young lady who is in, basically engaged. She's pledged to be married to Joseph. And all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel comes down. I don't know about you. Uh, I haven't encountered an angel, at least not in that sense of an angel coming and, and speaking right to me and having a conversation with me. Uh, but I can just imagine that if I was Mary, I might be a little bit frightened, as I believe she was in this situation, a little bit like, oh, what's, what's going on right now? I, I don't know what's happening right now. But then the angel goes on to reassure her that she shouldn't be afraid. She said, he, the angel says, you found great favor with the Lord. Be assured. And he also says, and you're going to have a baby who shall be named Jesus, and he will be great and known as the Son of the Most High. Right? So now we've got a lady who's going, okay, I've just been told I'm going to have a child. I'm a virgin. We all know how babies happen. But she's going, I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? And she said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Lord will overshadow you. But here, she, no pressure, right? Hey, you're going to have the son. A son, he's going to be the son of God. He, he's going to take over the throne of David. He's going to lead all of Jacob's descendants. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of God. And then the angel even goes on to say, Hey, you know your cousin Elizabeth, who is considered to be old and unable to have children. She's in the sixth month of her pregnancy, just, just so you know. She's going to have John the Baptist, as we know. John the Baptist came and paved the way for Jesus before his public ministry began. But then Mary, I, I love this part, Mary says, okay, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Right? 
How crazy is this that all of a sudden this young lady is approached by an angel says, be, be, be reassured, there's nothing to be scared of. You have the Lord's favor upon you. You're actually going to have the Lord's son. She said, okay, as the Lord's servant, may your word be fulfilled in me. Just simple obedience. Okay, God, if that's what you want for me, I, I, I'm willing to do that. Okay. And then we move on into the second chapter of Luke and we see that Jesus is born to Mary and, and he's placed in the major scene because there was no room for him at the end. And after Jesus' birth, we know in the coming time, the coming year or two, we see the wise men come and the shepherds come. And we know there, there's a lot that happens in that time, but we also we don't know a lot about Jesus' childhood. right? We don't know a lot about the early years of Jesus' life. Scripture doesn't share a whole lot with us. Uh, we find a few stories, like in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus is 12 years old, what happens? They went to Jerusalem, right, for a festival, Mary and Joseph and Jesus did, and they accidentally left him there. And, and they had gone, and four days later they come back, and 12-year-old Jesus is sitting in the temples with the teachers, having conversation with them, asking them questions. As a 12-year-old, Jesus is sitting with the religious leaders and asking them questions and having conversations with them. We know that Jesus was, was more than likely traded as a carpenter. Joseph, his dad, was a carpenter. So more than likely, Jesus also acquired the trade of being a carpenter. That was tradition in that day that typically you did whatever your father had done. But until he's about 30 years old, we really don't know a lot about Jesus. We don't know a lot about what happened. But then when he gets to be about 30, we see that he begins to assemble his team, right? His crew. He brings the 12 disciples around him. 12 ordinary men with really no special traits, no education, didn't seem to be maybe uh, the brightest light bulbs in the bunch. But Jesus assembled them around him and they became his disciples. And for the next three and a half years, the ministry that Jesus led them through changed eternity. What Jesus did in these next three and a half years and throughout his first 30 years, his life changed eternity forever. When Jesus, his public ministry began, typically we, we say it began when he was baptized in water by John the Baptist, his cousin baptized him. But listen to what happened. Many of you may know this, but in Luke chapter 3, we see the setting of Jesus being baptized. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So we see an encounter here of all three parts of the Trinity at one time in the same exact space. That, that, that's significant. This doesn't happen in Scripture often at all, but we read here that God the Father God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who came down in the form of a dove are all present in the same situation at the same time. The complete Trinity 
is seen that day by all those who witness Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. Uh, like, just think about, can you even imagine how awesome that must have been? Right? I, I, I play the Bible out like a movie. I play scripture out visually in front of me. And I think of it, and, and it's amazing. I'm blown away by it. But I guarantee even what I have in my imagination fails in comparison to what it was actually like that day when Jesus was baptized and God spoke and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. What an amazing, amazing experience that must have been. And what a, for those who must have been there in the crowd that day, those who were there and witnessed this, could you imagine how that must have affected them? How that must have got them to begin to see, man, I, I, I don't know maybe even exactly what just happened, but this was something special. This was something rare. I need to see what this Jesus is all about. I need to understand more about this story and who this guy is. Then as we continue to read on in Scripture, we, we look at Jesus' life and we hear about all the different things He did, right? Many stories and how He taught through parables. Jesus was a just individual, right? He was just. Just like God is a just individual, right? There's right and there's wrong and there's consequences for our decisions. They were just individuals. And so Jesus had moments of frustration just like you and I do at times in our life, right? Frustration, it's, it's a real thing. And the one example that we'll look at is from Mark chapter 11. But on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, It is not written, there is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. So Jesus, we see his frustration, right? We see the humanity of Jesus in this situation. Because he was both fully man and fully God at the same time. But not only was he, he frustrated, not only did he flip over the tables and, and run them out of the temple courts, he also reminds them of what Scripture has said about the temple, about the holy place, about His house. He says, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? For all nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. And the people who were there that day, they heard and they were amazed at the teaching that Jesus was sharing and I think about that and sometimes we think man, is it wrong for me to get frustrated? Is it wrong for me to have emotions? Is it wrong for me to get sad and to get worked up and, and disappointed about things? No, it's not. It's not wrong to have those things happen. What, what's the dangerous point is when we allow those to dictate our actions. When we allow those to dictate what we do. And we allow those things to cause us to begin to forget who God is 
To cause us to begin to, to stray away from what God is asking us to do in our lives. That's when they become a danger zone. Emotions, those, those feelings, they're natural. Jesus had them. God is a just God. Then as we continue to read on, sometime later we know that Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and taken into custody of the Romans, which eventually led to him to be abused and beaten nearly to the point where he was dead before being placed upon the cross to be crucified for our sins. And so I know this morning we, we've kind of just taken an overview of the life of Jesus from His birth through a little bit of His childhood through some of the ministry and what He did and now even looking to the end of His life. Here Mark, he records the crucifixion in Mark chapter 15. It says, At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elohi, Elohi, Lema, Sabatini, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he is calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man is the Son of God. Even somebody who stood here and witnessed Jesus' crucifixion, his dying moment, said, Surely this man has to be the Son of God. There's nothing else that could explain the situation. There's nothing else that could explain how Jesus handled it. There's nothing else that could explain everything that had happened up to this point in Jesus' life other than the fact that He truly had to be the Son of God. Jesus, we know that He was placed in the tomb and as we continue to read, some of the women went a few mornings later to bring fragrance to His tomb and, and to finish His burial when they found that the stone had been removed. It had rolled away and Jesus was nowhere to be found. Jesus was resurrected and He went on to walk on the earth for another 40 days before He ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1 where He ascended to the right hand of the Father. You can also read about that in Mark chapter 16 that also shares about that. But it brings me to what we started with this morning communion. Remembering what Jesus did for us. Remembering what God did for us. And offering up His Son. And offering up what was most precious and valuable to Him for us. Right? Not for me. Not just for you. But for everyone. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you ask yourself the question, how do I know if I'm saved or not? It's pretty simple. Here's the question. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again to forgive you for your sins and ascended to the right hand of the Father? If the answer to that question 
is yes, then according to Scripture, it says that you have been saved. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with Him. Right? So when, when He returns to take us home, those who are both living and those who have passed on before us will be joined together with Him. Again, forever, for eternity. God gave us the greatest gift we could ever imagine. The greatest gift we could ever ask for. The greatest gift we could ever desire in our whole lives by offering His Son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice. So that we may have an opportunity to find a relationship with Him for eternity. So I want to encourage you this morning, whether this is maybe the first time you've ever heard the story about Jesus' life, or maybe you feel like you've heard it a million times, I hope you were reminded about the significance of the sacrifice that was made, of the gift that was offered. But the best part about a gift, we're going to touch on this next week a little bit in our family service, is a gift is free. That's one of the requirements for something to be a gift is that it is free. And the gift of salvation is free. It's offered to all people. Available to everyone. Jesus was tempted in the same ways that you and I are. He dealt with the same temptations. He dealt with the same emotions. He dealt with the same frustrations and challenges and victories and good times that you and I deal with. And He sets the perfect example of how to deal with those things in life as well. How to deal with frustration. How to deal with victory. How to deal with the good and the bad. Jesus presents us with the example. As I said this morning, I hope you can take away the fact that God's gift to us is the greatest gift we could ever receive in the whole world. And that's salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And in the next couple weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about the blessing of giving, but instead of talking about us receiving the gift, we're going to focus on how we can be a blessing to others. How we can be a blessing and to give to those who are around us. To help those who are around us and be a blessing. Because God has given us everything we need. God supplies everything we need. He takes care of everything you and I need. And we have the opportunity to share that with other people and so they can receive it as well. So before we leave this morning, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're ready to receive that free gift of salvation. You're ready to say, you know what, today is the day. I want, I want to receive Christ into my heart. I want to receive the free gift of salvation. I want to encourage you to do so. And I'm going to have the worship team come back up at this point and they're going to lead us through a final song. And during that time, we're going to open up our altars. It's going to be a time of prayer, a time to come forward. And you can come forward for whatever you may want prayer for this morning. We're open. You can come forward for anything and everything you'd like this morning. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you're ready to receive the free gift of salvation. I want to encourage you to come forward and to talk 
of myself or Pastor Laura, one of our other leaders who are going to be up here this morning for prayer. We want to just talk to you and pray for you and maybe just help you with this decision and maybe what to do next. And so this morning, as we come forward for a time of prayer, I want to just encourage you and remind you, we've been blessed with a great gift. The greatest gift. And we have an opportunity to receive that and then we have an opportunity to help others find that same gift, to receive that same gift which comes through our Lord. So as the worship team leads us, they're going to sing the old rugged cross. I asked them to again. Because I think it's fitting. The old rugged cross talks about the gift that was offered for us. Right? It was a baby. He was innocent. But yet, he endured death for us so that we could have salvation, so that we could receive the free gift of salvation.